0: Welcome into a Friday edition of the podcast. Hope you all are doing fantastic out there in Cougar Nation. Plenty to get to ahead on this episode of Locked on Cougars. We are going to talk about BYU's defensive secondary as part of our position previews, looking ahead to BYU training camp beginning next week. We'll also look at an offensive position that I think has a lot of intrigue. That is the slot receiver is what I'm terming it, the H receiver. Some interesting names at this position that we'll dig into as well, and we'll also take a look Back at the BYU history books, looking at 1997 for the Cougars, coming off that important Cotton Bowl victory, how did the Cougars do in the follow-up to that? We'll talk about all of that ahead on today's podcast. Today's show is brought to you in part by our good friends over at the Locked On College Football Channel. I want to encourage you guys if you've got an interest in any conference outside of BYU, whether it might be the SEC with the addition of Texas and Oklahoma. Who knows when, but if you have an interest in the SEC, the ACC, What's Left of the Big 12, the Pac-12, or the Big 10, download their individual shows. I think, did I get ACC in there? I don't know. But there's a Locked On College Football Channel show for each of those conferences, covering everything inside those conferences every day. Download it wherever you get your podcast. All right, without further ado here on a Friday, let's dive in and have some fun. This is the Locked On Cougars podcast for July 30th, 2021. what's up, everybody? I'm Jake Hatch, your host here on Locked On Cougars, your resident BYU insider. My day job is with the Zone Sports Network in Salt Lake City, Utah, as the executive producer of DJ and PK in the morning. And a big thank you to all of you for taking some time to join us right here on your only daily podcast focused on all things BYU. Our goal here, if you're new to the show, is to make you guys the smartest BYU fans in the room. We do it in a nice, tidy package every single day. 30 minutes or less is what we aim for. Sometimes you go a little bit over but it's always jam-packed with information and a big thank you for your guys support of the podcast please make sure you hit that follow button that way you never miss an episode and also make sure to leave us a rating and review especially on apple Podcasts. those are absolutely critical this month has been a really really good month for the podcast if i'm speaking frankly your download numbers have bounced back to what we expected with fall camp on the approach and you guys you the listeners deserve all the credit for that a big Thank you for supporting this venture as much as you guys do, and hopefully you'll continue to support it in the future. All right, let's continue on with our countdown towards BYU fall camp, and let's talk about a position group, or I'm going to term it position groups because run out of time on the podcast to really dig down and talk about all of these. I was planning on doing them all individually, but as I did earlier this week with the interior of the BYU offensive line, I'm going to do it with three positions in the defensive secondary, for BYU. Today we're talking about the Cinco, the nickel and the dime positions for BYU football. All three of them distinct, obviously That's why BYU listed them as three different positions with different players in them. But all three of them are what you call situational, uh, Positions depending on the down and distance, the time of the game, these players that we'll talk about today will be entered into a game to be a part of BYU's defense. Uh, I think the biggest thing is a lot of people were making fun of BYU and their depth chart for having so many players listed. Funny enough, it's actually kind of brilliant in many ways because they're laying out. Okay, these are the different positions we have on the field. They're not exactly saying how they would be deployed, but they have the versatility. Is I think what they're trying to show off. So let's start off with the Cinco position which is kind of similar to what we've talked about previously with both the Frodo as well as the uh, flash position, where it's more of a hybrid linebacker spot and it is headlined by a linebacker with a familiar last name, Josh Wilson, six foot, 215-pound freshman. Of course, the younger brother of Zach Wilson. He is listed as the starter here at the Cinco position. Ammon Hanneman, a redshirt junior, listed as his backup, playing the position at six 6'2", two, 202 pounds. Ammon Hanneman's an interesting name considering that last name, Jacob Hanneman, all the different Hanneman members of that family, that clan have come through BYU, have been standout players. What I expect from the sinkhole position is I expect it to be very much a position similar to the flash, where you can have a guy who can both cover a slot receiver, a tight end, a bigger bodied receiver, and also be able to play the run well. That's why you have a linebacker like Josh Wilson in this spot. Josh Wilson, is he ever going to be the biggest linebacker on BYU's defense? No. He has physical limitations. Six foot, and that might be a tad bit generous in terms of his height. 215 pounds. So he's a little bit of a tweener, as they call him. Uh, probably should play safety, probably doesn't have necessarily the foot speed to play safety. So you put him in this position, give him a chance to succeed. And I really like the versatility of what they're putting here because Amon Hanneman, he's actually more probably a traditionally, yeah, well, listed 6'2", 202. He's a defensive back. So there is versatility within this position itself that you can deploy on the field. Now, playing alongside them in some formats or maybe playing away from them separately is the nickel position. And last year, George Udo was actually listed at the Cinco position. Uh, Udo tore his ACL late in the season last year, announced that he was actually cleared to resume football activities earlier on in the offseason. Very welcome news, because he might be one of the true athletes, one of the best athletes on BYU's roster. This is an absolute freak. Uh, George Udo played at a very small high school in the Bay Area. BYU discovered him, and he's paid benefits. If you think back to that Houston game in particular last year in 2020, George Udo was absolutely massive in that game. Really, really good player. He'll be the starter at Nickel. He'll be backed up by two guys who are more of a cornerback type because George Udo, folks, he has the frame, the speed, etc., that he could play maybe six, seven different positions, whether it's linebacker or defensive back. He is an absolute physical freak. 6'1", 200 pounds for Udo. Wouldn't surprise me if he plays heavier than that, and but still keeps his foot speed. But his backups, backups at the position, JaVel Brown uh, making another transition to another position. He is now listed at nickel. Uh, 6'1", 187 pounds. Brown has both played running back and wide receiver on offense. He's played safety. He's been tried out at corner. Hopefully, this is a position he can find himself some opportunity on the field and show what he can do. He'll also have Jalen Vickers playing alongside him and walk on and Vickers is actually a very interesting character because he's a guy that Uh, as a really, really big persona on social media, but you hope to see him make a bigger impression on the field. Vickers, a product if I'm not mistaken, if I recall correctly, of East High School in Salt Lake City. 5'10", 183 pounds. So both Brown and Vickers are more of a cornerback stepping into this hybrid role, but the nickel position traditionally, in many of you probably have heard of a nickel back, well their goal, their job, is to guard slot receivers. They may not be the biggest guys, because they're also not facing the biggest guys normally on the field but they still have to be able to go cover a speedy receiver and make a play. That's why I like the three guys here especially George Udo. That's a matchup nightmare if you're an opposing slot receiver because Udo's just got a huge frame and has every bit the speed that any of them in my opinion would have and will be able to match them step for step and make plays. He's a guy who's a threat to come off the edges on a blitz and get a sack. He can do so many things. His versatility is just insane. Now, finally, the final position here we're talking about combining these three today is the dime position, and I'm very intrigued by the dime because Caleb Christensen is heading up this position, and Caleb was chiefly a return guy last year for BYU, but he is backed up here by another guy coming off an ACL injury, and that is Micah Harper. I really like what these two can show on the field together and we'll see what happens they're both listed as freshmen not the biggest bodies obviously Caleb Christensen 5 foot 9 196 pounds very compact package but Micah Harper last year what an absolute fine for BYU getting him to be getting him to I should getting what a fine for BYU getting him to BYU that's a redundant phrase but These two, I think, are going to thrive in this position. Dime is kind of similar to Nickel, where it's covering more slot receivers. But both of these guys have the ability, I think, to contribute at cornerback itself, if need be. They are obviously going to be part of that rotation, Michael Harper in particular. Once he is cleared, so far as I know, he has not been cleared to resume football activities. Once he is cleared, there's no reason to think that Michael Harper will not be a multi-year starter on BYU's defense, in particular at Cornerback. I think he'll be moved to cornerback once some of the other upperclassmen move out of that spot at the cornerback positions. That's probably his position long term really really intrigued with him and their backup of that position speaking of Christensen and Harper is Jacob Boren another walk on a sophomore similar to the other two guys listed at the position in Christensen and Harper 5 foot 9 170 pounds is a walk on with BYU we'll see how he does uh, he's obviously got his big shoes to fill he's got two guys in front of him who are very very talented and he'll have to prove that he is capable of contributing in a meaningful role but coming up next we'll continue our look back at BYU football looking at at 1997, for the Cougars. How did things go as they tried to replace Steve Sarkeesian? Coming off that number five national rankings, the 14 and 1 season. Just a legendary year. Well, how do you follow that up? We'll talk about it next. Today's show is brought to you in part by our good friends over at Built Bar. Absolutely love this company, folks. If you've not tried a Built Bar, I don't know what to tell you because I am a massive, massive fan of built bars, the best tasting protein bars out there. And I have had my fair share over the years. Most of them chalky. Most of them feel like you need to down a gallon of milk to choke it down. That's not so with built bar. They're covered in 100% chocolate. They're soft and easy to chew. They legitimately taste like a candy bar. So get to built.com. You can check out all the different offerings they have there. They have nine different flavors, both nut and non nut flavors. I'm actually partial to their fruit flavors in particular, what I think is the best one they have is the Cherry Barcia. You can get all of them available to you guys at Built.com. And what's better than that? Saving money when you get to Built.com. Use the promo code LOCKED15, L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5 for 15% off your next order. Save that money and get enjoying the best tasting protein bars and do it with Built Bar. Continuing on now with our countdown of BYU football seasons ahead of the 2021 season. We call it the 100 seasons of BYU football countdown. It's crazy to think we've come as far as we have. We still got plenty to go to get you ready for the season over the next month or so. But today we talk about 1997 for the BYU football program. and You come off a number five national ranking, you're going to get preseason pub. And the 96 team had a lot of notable names leave the program. None more so than Steve Sarkeesian, obviously. Obviously the little engine that really engineered that marvelous season for the Cougars offensively 14 and one in 1996. Well, how do you follow that up? Well, entering the season, BYU essentially had three quarterbacks vying to be the guy at the quarterback position to replace John Walsh before Steve Sarkeesian trying to continue a line here. And there's some pretty big shoes to fill, but BYU nonetheless was highly thought of enough to be ranked in the top 20. They're ranked number 19 going into the season as they welcomed number four Washington, Yes, the Washington Huskies number four in the country came to Provo to take on the Cougars was a nationally televised game on ABC. Huge, huge game. The attendance figure, actually one of the biggest, I think in BYU stadium, BYU stadium, Cougar stadium at the time's history, 65,978, the announced attendance at this game, but BYU was thoroughly manhandled in this game, lost 42 to 20. Obviously some BYU fans are going to be a little bit upset about that, But the season got off to actually a decent start after that, funny enough, because BYU the following week went to number 14 Arizona State, and obviously you lose in the opener. You're going to drop out of the rankings, and that's what BYU did. They dropped to out of the rankings, but going to number 14, Arizona state. And they bounce right back with an absolutely marvelous 13 to 10 victory. Brian McKenzie scored a touchdown in the second quarter of that game. as some of you might recall, and then Owen Potchman added two field goals in the second and the fourth quarters, his uh, 32 yard field goal in the fourth lifted BYU to that victory an absolutely stunning victory for BYU. Considering what you just come off with that win against uh, not the win, the, the loss to Washington, but then things got rolling a little bit for BYU. They returned to the Cotton Bowl where they had played the previous, uh, not the previous, the, just in uh, January of that year, they, they nine months apart. Ranked number 23 in the country. They get by SMU 19-16 to 16 in overtime and then hosted Utah State in Provo as the number 24 team in the country. Won that game 42-35. to 35. So suddenly you're feeling as a BYU fan, okay, they're off to a 3-1 start as we're in October here. But then one of the more stunning losses that – I can think of in the 1990s for the BYU football program. BYU is the number 21 team in the country goes to Houston to take on the Rice Owls and loses 27 to 14. I've got a very good friend, Robbie Huckville. Some of you might know him on Twitter who talks about this being one of the top five most impactful losses in BYU football history. Robbie, if you're listening, I'm sure you'll correct me on that, but I'm pretty sure I'm quoting you accurately, but just a stunning loss to lose to the Owls. Rice, to be frank, has not ever really been a college football power, especially in the past 50 years, and to lose to Rice, oof, yeesh, not fun. But nonetheless, BYU's 3-2. and two. They bounce back with back-to-back victories, beating Hawaii and TCU. And by the way, one thing I kind of buried the lead on this is I mentioned that going into the season, there were three different quarterbacks battling for time here, and they battled, tried to figure out, okay, who's going to be the guy at quarterback? Well, ultimately, it ended up being that... Uh, that you were going to have Kevin Federick take over the job as the starting quarterback, but it was not without drew Miller and Paul shoemaker making their case. Federick on the season had a very marginal year overall, and it's evident in BYU's scoreline. For the season, Federick passed for 1,767 yards, 11 touchdowns against just five interceptions. Compare that to Steve Sarkeesian, who had a 4,000-yard season the previous year. You also have Ty in a not-too-distant pass, had a 5,000-yard season, who uh, won the Heisman Trophy with that. To see BYU as a team, by the way, they totaled 2,500 yards on the head, 15 touchdowns against 11 interceptions, Absolute pedestrian numbers from the passing game, and it reflected in BYU's season overall. So, as I mentioned, they beat Hawaii and TCU. So that means they're at five and two going into November. But November was just a bad month. BYU traveled back to the state of Texas, lost to UTEP in the Sun Bowl, 14 to three. Another really baffling loss if you're a BYU fan. They did beat Tulsa the following week in Provo 49-39 to and then finish out the year with back-to-back losses losing to New Mexico in Albuquerque 38-28 to and then Utah gets one over on them 20-14. Some of you might recall that Utah game. BYU actually had a lead in that contest and thought, okay, they can continue to build on this lead. They have a chance here. Uh, BYU got two touchdowns from Brian McKenzie who, by the way, had a thousand yard season, was BYU's absolute star during the 1997 season. And McKenzie does not get the due that he is owed. He was an absolute workhorse for BYU. But he scored both touchdowns in the in the loss to Utah. One of them coming in the first quarter, he had a one yard play plunge and added a 15-yard run in the second quarter. And BYU going into the fourth quarter was still leading 14-10, but then Darnell Arsenault scored on a 7-yard run to give Utah a lead they would never relinquish. And then they got a field goal late from Utah 32 yards to make it 20-14 to the final. So BYU as a team, during the 1987 season, the offense just was not where it needed to be. And BYU, their record reflected that. 6-5 overall on the year, 4-4 four four in the WAC, finishing in the middle of the Mountain Division, Uh, New Mexico and Colorado State uh, were the two teams who met in the WAC championship this year. And one other thing to talk about, and we'll talk about this more tomorrow, is that the fractures in the WAC began to show in the 1997 season. They'd gone to 16 teams, but it was fairly evident early on that this was not going to be a viable product to have 16 teams. Many of you called the pod system that they played with. It was, I think it was in 1998 when they tried to use that. Just It wasn't working, folks. And We'll talk about the disintegration of the WAC and the formation of the Mountain West Conference over the next couple of episodes up, coming up on Monday and Tuesday. Some crazy stuff there, but overall, a disappointing season if you're a BYU fan. You come off a of 14 in one year, and then you go 6-5. and five. You finish middle of the division, actually kind of lower half Utah was ahead of you in the Mountain Division. You're 4-4. Four and four. It's unacceptable if you're a BYU fan. We'll look at 1998 tomorrow and how things went for the Cougars, but not make a bowl game. That's obviously a disappointment. Just overall, the tenor of the 1997 season, yeah, had some surprises to begin with, but it went out with kind of a flat... To it, but that's nonetheless how 1997 played out. On Monday's edition of the show, we'll look at 1998, then we'll continue on 1999, and soon enough, folks, we're in the 2000 uh, season, 2001, that marvelous year, the Gary Croton enigma of a, of a run, and the three seasons beyond that. It's all coming up, folks. We'll continue to do these day by day as we get closer and closer to the 2021 season in September down there as they kick it off in Las Vegas. All right, coming up here in just a moment, though, we'll wrap up today's show with another another position preview. The slot receiver is what I'm terming it. Not necessarily truly a slot receiver, but hey, we needed to break it out. So we'll talk about that next. We'll also catch up on some basketball news. And you know what? For good measure, why don't we talk about returners as another position group preview? Who's going to return the ball both punts and kicks for BYU this year. We'll look at all of that in just a moment. Today's show is brought to you by our good friends over at First Colony Mortgage. Many of you know that 1984, obviously, was the national championship season for the BYU football program, but did you guys know that there was another marvelous team that came about in 1984, and that is our good friends at First Colony Mortgage. First Colony Mortgage is a full-service mortgage lender, by the way, based in Utah County. They want to help you guys out, but they can help anybody across the United States with your mortgage needs you'll be taken care of from beginning to end they're a full service mortgage firm they've got everything handled in-house they've done it the right way they built it up the right way and they want to help you guys out and make sure you're taken care of Zach Hicken is our loan officer for the team over at first colony right here on locked on Cougars any finance you need for a home Zach is happy to help you guys out whether you want to get into your new home you want to refinance cash out uh, make get some money off of your home's equity just want to take advantage of the low rates that are still available. Zach will help you guys out and First Colony is there to make sure you guys are taken care of. You can contact Zach by calling him 801-380-0752 Once again, 801-380-0752 or check out his website HickenHomeLoans.com How do you spell Hicken? Good thing you asked. H-I-C-K-E-N, homeloans.com. That's Zach Hicken, NMLS two zero five two First Colony Mortgage, NMLS 3112. First Colony Mortgage is an equal housing lender. And of course, First Colony Mortgage is a proud partner with us here on the Locked On Cougars podcast. All right, my friends, before we go here on this Friday, let's wrap up the week, wrap up the day on another position preview or two. You're going to buy two, get one free. We're going to talk about the wide receiver position, which I'm terming the slot receiver, but it's not truly a slot receiver position, but I like the guys who are listed at the spot. So let's start off. Chris Jackson listed as the starter there. foot ten, 184-pound junior. Chris Jackson, folks, has every bit the speed of anybody on BYU's roster. The hope is this year he finally kind of figures things out at the Division 1 level and can start to capitalize on his prodigious talent. This is a guy who is an absolute star at the JUCO level. It took a little while for him to kind of get his bearings in Provo, and hopefully he can go into fall camp really feeling comfortable and start to show off what he can do on the field. He's got two big body guys behind him, and that's kind of why I listed this as a slot receiver position, but not necessarily truly a slot receiver position. They are Keanu Hill, six foot four, two hundred sixteen pounds. Hill, more in the vein of Neil Pau, almost mere images of one another size wise. He's a redshirt freshman, and Terrence Fall, a fantastic or not uh, not a fantastic. A, a, a tantalizing prospect from Paris, France, originally came to the United States to play high school football. Coming to BYU, similar to Jackson, trying to get his bearings at the Division One level. Well, he's got great size—six foot three, 188 pounds. Was slowed by some minor injuries last year as well as he tried to kind of get things going. But all three of these guys have a lot to prove. Keanu Hill is probably the most proven of all of them. He has done some things on the field that are very intriguing. He's very much worked on his body, by the way, in the offseason. I saw a picture of him in the offseason, and he looks slimmer. He looks like he's probably lighter on his feet. And in theory, that should give him a leg up as he tries to make a move up the depth chart. Many of you are probably talking, well, Jake, why have you talked about the Nakua brothers? Well, I'm going to do an addition next week of the podcast where I talk about newcomers to BYU as part of fall camp. And both Samson and Puka Nakua are technically newcomers to the team. So we'll talk about them. But both of those guys... This wide receiver position, folks, we've talked about nine different guys here amongst the three wide receiver positions listed. You have two more in the Nakua brothers listed there. It is deep uh, wide receiver talent pool as I have seen in quite some time, maybe ever in the BYU football program. I know that's pretty lofty praise, but. There's a lot of talent there, folks, and it should be exciting for whoever is the starting quarterback to think of who they have to throw the ball to. So really like Chris Jackson, I'm a big fan of Keanu Hill's skill set and Terrence Fall. We don't necessarily know what he's going to be able to do quite yet, but all three of them have a lot of intrigue to them. And I'm looking forward to seeing how things pan out during fall camp. And by the way, for those of you who may not have seen it on Twitter, I put it out there on the Locked On Cougars feed. Uh, The first practice for BYU in training camp will be next week on Thursday. Thursday, based on what I was told by BYU sports information director Brett Pine so heads up for that it'll be Thursdays when BYU will first be on the field it sounds like next week now a note on BYU basketball some fun news in that regard the Cougars are going to play Creighton who is a sweet 16 team this past year they're going to take them on and of all places by the way they're going to the Sanford Pentagon Which is in South Dakota on December 11th. And this is not a tournament. It is just a one off game between the Creighton Blue Jays and the BYU Cougars. I know I mentioned Robbie Huckveld earlier on in the show, but I've got another good friend who actually is a dual graduate of Creighton and BYU, and that's Michael Ted Thornock. Uh, I know a number of you probably have followed uh, the same path that Mike did. He actually went to BYU for his undergrad, then went to Creighton for law school. He's practicing law back here in Utah. But it's really cool to see Creighton and BYU. Getting together, Creighton's very much going to be rebuilding this year. But uh, McBuckets' dad, uh, Doug McDermott, uh, is that is Doug I'm, McDermott? Dad, he is the coach of Creighton. Has done a good job. They're in the Big East. They play a very high caliber schedule all year long. Uh, BYU last played Creighton in the 2016 NIT quarterfinals. Zach Selias and Nick Emery uh, led the ways. They beat the Blue Jays in that game. Kyle Collinsworth, crazy enough, was on that game, but. Funny that how things work out, but uh, you look at this game and I think it's absolutely marvelous. And a little bit of a teaser for you guys and talking with some people around the BYU basketball program. This is not the last "quote unquote" Power Six game that will be announced over the next uh, few weeks. I, I'm hearing there are multiple Power Six games that are going to be announced. Some high-level competition that Mark Pope and his team will be playing, and should be excited, folks. I really, really like the potential of this team if they can come together. You had guys like T. John Luke. Lucas uh, you really really have a talented base to work from and obviously Alex Barcello is the heart and soul of this team but I I am looking forward to this basketball season. So uh, that's the basketball news for today. And then finally, let's talk about the return game for BYU football. Going back, uh, returning to BYU football for a moment here. To buy two, get one free right here on the podcast. Let's talk about the returners and the return position. I've stated it previously during this offseason. It needs an upgrade. You need some talent. Caleb Christensen is listed as the kick returner for BYU with Miles Davis alongside him. I like the two of them in theory. Both of them, unafraid guys who did this in high school, have got decent speed. Caleb Christensen, I think, set the high school record, of the career record in the high school ranks here in Utah for career return touchdowns. Hopefully, he can start to figure it out at the collegiate game, but obviously, they want to take kickoffs out of the game. They haven't outright banned them, but the new rules are going to make it harder and harder to do that, but I do have some intrigue for Caleb Christensen. Miles Davis is about as smooth an athlete as I've seen in some time in a BYU uniform, and Hopefully that can translate to him returning the ball. He can be an impact guy at the punt returner position. I think this is a mistake. Just based on what we saw from 2020 Hobbs Nyberg listed as the starting punt returner. He kind of came on late in the season and was the punt returner for BYU, but didn't do much. Uh, Talmadge Gunther listed as his backup. He is a converted receiver now playing in the defensive secondary for BYU. And if Talmadge Gunther can be an answer, great, but... uh, I don't mean to come off as negative, but the punt return game, it should give you more than what the kick return game is because the rules have not affected punt returns as much as they have kick returns, but it feels like people, you got more out of their kick returns stunningly enough than they did punt returns last year. So... Is Hobbs Nyberg the guy that makes me think, ooh, ah, no. it's, it's do That it doesn't do it for me. It's not James Dye back there for me. I'd love to have James Dye back there, but you know what? Maybe an answer emerges during fall camp, but the returner positions, kick returner, there's some intrigue there, obviously. Punt returner, I think they need to go back to the drawing board and try and find somebody else, but that's just me, and obviously I'm not a coach. So there you go. That's going to do it for today's edition of the podcast. It's been a fantastic week here on the show as well. The end of the Month, crazy enough. We'll obviously be off for the weekend. We'll begin August on Monday. And folks, beginning Monday, I'm calling it its training camp. Beginning Sunday, you can call it that. It's August. It is time to go. BYU football is getting going. We're going to get going even more so than we already have been. And we've been doing this for months. But nonetheless, a big thank you for your support. Follow the show on social media Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Search out Locked On Cougars. Reach out anytime via email if you'd like to do that as well. Our email address, Locked On BYU you at gmail.com and until monday have a great weekend this has been the locked on cougars podcast for july 30th 2021 and we will talk to you guys in august